This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, along with my co-host, Josh Cumston. In the studios today at Nebraska Christian Schools, we have youth pastor Lige Reed. Welcome to the program, Lige. Thanks, Gordon. Lige is the youth pastor at the Minden Evangelical Free Church, and this morning had an opportunity to preach to our students here at Nebraska Christian Schools. Let's join Pastor Lige Reed with today's message. This morning, all we're going to do, Gordon told me to go ahead and share something that, that I've done lately with my youth group, and we have been in a series this fall called Crucial Questions. I'm just getting to some foundational questions of the faith. What do we believe? Why? How does it affect us? Like, what's the application of these things that we believe? And so today I thought I'd go really easy on you guys and cover substitutionary atonement. Um, this is not an easy topic. It's not an easy topic for adults to grasp. But one of the things that, that I firmly believe and uphold in my group is that you guys can handle things better than adults can at times. And so I wanted to cover this and hopefully help you guys out. So if you are ready, we will get started with substitutionary atonement. Uh, substitutionary atonement, like I said, is a hard topic. We're going to break it down into the two words. I think substitutionary, you guys can understand. You know what a substitute teacher is. Someone that comes and fills the place of your teacher, takes that spot and fills in for them. So we're not going to spend any time there because I think you can grasp that one. It's atonement that we're going to spend a lot of time on. So let's get into the word atonement. What does atonement mean? Let's define this. Atonement, when it's the in the original language, the word kafar is translated multiple ways. Now we can translate words from Greek and Hebrew into multiple English words at times, and so this is different ways that it's been translated into the English language throughout the Bible. To cover over, to pacify, to make propitiation, meaning to satisfy the wrath of someone. So atonement is covering over something. That's what atonement is. But let's, let's get it into our own words. I'm going to use my favorite dictionary, the Webster's 1828 edition. Best dictionary out there. I don't care about the new one that says selfie is the great new word of the, of the year. Uh, that is great, uh, but it's not as good as the 1828 edition. So Webster defines it this way. Atonement is the expiation or satisfaction or reparation made by giving an equivalent or an injury or by doing or suffering that which is received in satisfaction for an offense or injury. It's, it's a little old English, you know, obviously a little old, hard to cover. So let's go to the new Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. What does it say? Atonement is a religious concept in which obstacles to reconciliation with God are removed, usually through sacrifice. Most religions have rituals of purification and expiation by which the relation of the individual to the divine, to God, is strengthened. In Christianity, that's us, atonement is achieved through the death and resurrection of Jesus. In Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and some Protestant churches, penance is a sacrament that allows for personal atonement or confession. In Judaism, the annual day of atonement, Yom Kippur, is the culmination of ten days centered on repentance. So in other words, what they're saying is a sacrifice is made to make us right and give us back to God, to, to bring us back to that personal relationship. 
That's what atonement does. In Christianity, that comes through Jesus Christ. But can we see that other places? Can, can we see this throughout all of Scripture? Or, or why is atonement even necessary? So that's what we're going to dig into. Why is it necessary? Do we see it throughout Scriptures? And what is the role of Jesus Christ for us? What does that have to do with us? And then how does that apply to our lives for all of us? Not, not just you guys, but for adults as well. So let's start with this. Why is there atonement? Why do we, what needs to be covered here? And some of this may seem like you don't need this. Like you're thinking, oh, boy, this is like bottom level stuff here. Remember, we're, here, we're foundational here. We've got to have good foundation. So why is there atonement? What do we need atonement for? Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Paul's writing to Christians here, and he says, all of us. All of us have fallen short. That means me, that means you, that means your pastor, that means your parents, have all fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody here. I don't care how high you lift them up. I have people in my life that I put way up on pedestals, and the reality is they have all fallen short of the glory of God. I can tell you that at times when I talk to my kids and, and they're doing something wrong, and, and my girls can attest to this if you were to ask them, we'll, we'll tell them stuff, and they'll, they'll sin, they'll fall short, and they'll be upset, and we'll reveal their sin to them. And then we'll do something different at times. We'll go, do you know that, that mommy and daddy sin too? And, and the, the first time we ever do this, they're always like this, what? What? Mom and dad, they sin? Like, this is, this is possible? Like, I swore you guys were perfect. And so for us to reveal that, like, we, were, we are not perfect today, and we were not perfect when we were their age, is, like, mind-blowing to them. And they've, they've been, and we're just like, Seriously, like, you don't have any idea. Just wait till you're older and get to hear these stories. Like, we all sin. We, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need to tell Why else? Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, all of us, our righteous deeds, the, the best things you can do, the, the best things you can think of that you've ever done for anyone, You've given up your best present, your best stuff, your, all your money. You can do all of that. All of those righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. I think that's soft, a dirty garment. A garment used when you're in leprosy. A garment used for people that are sent away from the rest of the people of God. The garment they use then, that dirty, nasty garment that they're wearing, that's what your best things are in the eyes of God. Nothing. Disgusting. Because you fall short. It's a polluted garment. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. This is one of my favorite verses. Probably because it makes a lot of sense to me. See, for me, I came from a little bit of a poor family and, and a single mom through high school. And so I've had a job and been paying taxes since I was 14 years old, almost 20 years. Uh, through high school, starting at uh, the end of my sophomore year on, I worked about 35 to 40 hours a week while I was going to school. So extracurriculars were kind of you know, out the window for me. I needed to provide for myself. My mom had a hard enough time providing for our family, and so I took care of everything for myself. Paid all my own bills. So, so for this, the idea of what this is saying makes a ton of sense for me. The wages of sin. A wage is what you earn. Just like for me, I get paid. I've been getting paid for 20 years now. I've been making my own way. 
So, so the wages that I earned was because of the work I did. I'll get a paycheck. Well, the wage that you earn and the wage that I earn for my sin is death. Like that's what we get because of our sin, because of the sin in our life. The payment for that is death. And it's pretty clear. I mean, if we look, it starts clear back in Genesis two, right? I mean, God tells us, tells Adam and Eve, if you do this, death will come. If you if you eat of this tree, death is going to happen. That's the wage. That's that's what you get for what you do. That's the wage of sin. It's death. So why is there atonement? Because of death. Be, because it's the wage. Sin has to be paid for. There has to be something to cover sin. And not cover sin in the sense of sweeping out of the rug so that no one sees it. But cover sin in the sense that it's paid for. So how does that look? Do we see this in the Scriptures? Do, do we see atonement in the Scriptures besides through Jesus Christ? Like, we'll get to Jesus Christ, but do we see it other places? If death is the wage, do we see this taking place? Let's look at the first one. Genesis 3.21. So we know what took place here, right? So Genesis 1, creation, seven days, 10,000 foot view, looking down, going, this is the overarching, this is what happens in creation. Then you get to Genesis 2 and you come down to street level. What I like, what I like to call street level view of creation. This is creation of man. A little more detail. Man's created, woman's created. Then you get to Genesis 3. And all heck breaks loose, right? Satan comes in, tempts Eve. She eats and sins and then hands it off to Adam and Adam sings. God comes and he's like, hey, where, where are you guys at? You know, they, they've hidden they went and got some bushes and hid because all of a sudden they knew they're naked and they're ashamed and so they go and hide and they're like, oh, we're, we're hiding in the bushes. Like, what are you hiding for? It's, it's like those times, how many of you have had your parents like know something about you that you did wrong, but they don't tell you they know, they just ask you to tell you, to tell them, right? So like, like for me, this is what happened. I had a friend show me once, disclaimer, do not do this, you will get in trouble. Okay, so I had a friend show me once, you can take a plunger to a wall, and, and it'll, it'll hold the wall. Like, it'll, it'll create suction and hold that wall. So at my friend's house, I could put the plunger, we could put the plunger on the wall, and we could pull on it, and it would separate the wall. And we were like, sweet, look in there. So I was like, man, I need to do this at home, like, i got to try this. So I go to my own house, and I take a plunger to the wall, and I pull on it a little bit, and like, a big chunk of wall comes off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no! But it didn't like make a hole, it was just like a, like a surface piece. And so I'm like, what am I gonna do? So like my parents are gonna like, I know. I know where we keep the paint. So I run downstairs, I get the paint, I paint the wall. I got covered up my sin, right? Not good though. Okay, so I cover it up. Then I call my mom, I'm like, hey, can I go and stay at her friend's house tonight? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, go ahead. You're a great kid. So I'm like, sweet. So I'm, out. I'm like, she'll never know. So I'm gone. I'm like, I was gone all night. What are you talking about? So she calls me in the morning. I'm like, get home. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I come home. And she's like, what did you do? I'm like, what do you mean, what did I do? And I'm standing right next to this. Like, she's looking at me and it. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying here. Like, what, what do you mean, what did I do? And she goes, oh, you know what you did. 
And I went, you know what I did? <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, which one did she catch me with? <laughs> There's multiple things that just sparkled my mind because I covered it well. And I'm thinking, but she goes, look at that wall next to you. And I went, oh, the wall. And I looked and I'm like, how did she figure it out? And she goes, oh, your brother told her. And I went, oh, he's dead. <laughs> he's going to pay for my sin. You know, and so, but she knew, right? Well, this is God in the garden. Like, this is the all-knowing God. And he comes and he goes, what are you guys doing? Like, come on, fess up. Like, let's hear it. Let's, let's hear the lame excuse you're going to have for me this time. Right? And he goes, hey, what, what did you do? And they go, oh, you know, well, Adam goes, it wasn't me, it was the woman. And he goes, it wasn't me, it was, it was the serpent. And he's like, okay, so then he like lays out punishment, right? And he's like, you know, serpent, you're going to be on the ground, you're eating dust, and you're going to die. And Eve, you're going to have you know, pain and childbearing, and you're going to do this. And he just throws up an Adam, you're going to have to work hard now, and it's going to be junk, and there's weeds, and all this other stuff. And it's just hard work. But then this happens. Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So, so here, this time, sin happens. First sin happens, and what does God do? Death takes place. Death in the spiritual sense in that they were kicked out of the garden and they were separated from God at that point. But death also in a physical sense. Now they're going to die. They're not going to be with God anymore. And an animal died here. God took an animal and sacrificed it to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve. Making garments of skins. Clothing them. Covering up their sin. God covered it. First time right there. Atonement happens. Sins covered. Not the spiritual sins, not, not the spiritual sense, but the atonement, the picture of atonement <coughs> is taking place here. Where sins are being covered over by death taking place. Wages coming in. If we look at the Bible and we look at the layout of the books, we can continue to see this. In Exodus 20, the law is given, right? Ten Commandments is given. If we look at Romans 3.20, it says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So in Exodus 20, the law is given. Paul is saying the law was never given for you to make it to heaven. Reality check. You can't earn your way there. You're not perfect enough. I know you think you are. Every kid thinks they're perfect. You're not. Okay? I'm just brutally honest. Sometimes my wife says almost too brutally honest. You're not perfect. The law was given to us so that we could know our sin. When you think through the Ten Commandments, how far before you realize you've broken all ten of them? That, that's what takes place. You, you should read the Ten Commandments and understand you've broken all of them at some point. Right? It, it gives us, the law gives us knowledge of our sin. That's Exodus. Then this happens. Leviticus. Sacrifices are given. The book of Leviticus is one of, one of my least favorites to read because I don't understand it at all. But I don't understand it because I'm not from a culture of sacrifice, of sacrificing animals. But in Leviticus, that's what Moses does. He lays out, this is what you need to do for this sin. This death needs to occur to pay for your sin. Atonement needs to happen. Your sin needs to be covered. The wrath of God needs to be satisfied. You need this. Sacrifice. 
Cover it. Read Leviticus. That's all it is throughout. Do this. Kill this animal, you do this. You do this, you bring grain. You do this, you do this. It's all over it. You just don't, it's hard for us to grasp. But when you put it in the, in the reality of knowing that what Exodus is about is bringing the law, showing us our sins, and then the need for our sins to be covered by death. Atonement taking place. Then we see it in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. David and Bathsheba. The great story of David, King David, you know, a man after God's own heart. You know, this is a guy that's a, an adulterer, a murderer, and yet he's called a man after God's own heart. So 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. So what's going to take place here is Samuel is going to be, you know, send everyone off to war, which was uncommon in those days. Usually when, when someone went off to war, the king went with them. He wasn't alone fighting, but he, was, he at least went. And here he sends everyone off to war and doesn't go with them. And as he's back at home relaxing, you know, as everyone out, all his men are out fighting, he looks out and he sees a woman out on top of the house. And he goes after her. And he has an affair with her. And she gets pregnant. So he tries to cover it. So he brings her husband home. Gets him drunk, hoping that he will sleep with his wife. So that his sin is now hidden. But, his, but the husband doesn't. He won't, he won't dishonor the king that way. And he won't dishonor his men that way. So then David says, okay, go back to war. And he tells the, the head of war, and he says, put this guy up front so that he will die. So, so he lines up murder happening right there. Then in chapter 12, Nathan comes to David and tells him this parable. And David goes, oh, this wretched guy. And Nathan goes, that's you. You're the one that did this. You're the one that, and all of a sudden, David's sin is revealed to him. It is, his sin is, is so right in front of him that he turns and he repents and he acknowledges what he did. But this is what's said. 2 Samuel chapter 12, towards the end here, verse 14. says, nevertheless, this is, this is right after Nathan's talking to him. Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Death took place covering the sins of David and the death of that child. Atonement. It's throughout. This is just a glimpse at it. It's all over the place. Where, where does this leave us? How, how does atonement affect us as Christians? And the easy answer is Jesus Christ. But, but how? But what happens? John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son... And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Through Christ we are saved. Through his death, through his life and resurrection, we are saved. Atonement takes place. Perfect atonement. See, the reality of the sacrifices of Leviticus are you have to keep doing them. You have to keep giving and sacrificing every time you sin, every year, all the time. The reality of Jesus Christ is it's finished. He said it. It is finished. 
So through Christ we are saved. Through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That's all of us. God made alive together with him. With Jesus. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by. Linking conjunction. By. How did he do this? Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Doctrine of imputation. Imputation means this. My sin goes on Christ and is nailed to the cross. His righteousness comes to me. And God looks at me and sees perfection. This is how it plays out for you guys. Think of the best student in your class. Don't tell me. Just think of us. Think of your hardest class and the, and, the, and the student that gets the best grade in that. And imagine that you're failing. Like you're like at 5%. Like you're really bad at that class. And, and on the last day of the semester, the best student goes to the teacher and says, you know, the best student's got 110%. Like he's done extra credit. She's done extra credit. And goes to the teacher and says, you know what? I know this person. He's really struggling. So this is what I want to happen. I want you to give me their grade. And I want you to take my grade and give it to them. So that when you look at their line on the, on the grade sheet, you see 110. And when you look at mine, you see utter failure. Imputation. That's what Christ did. We imputed our sin to him. He imputed his righteousness to us died on the cross, nailed it to the cross, so that we could be with God. Remember our definition from Merriam-Webster's? It brought us reconciliation. It brought us back into this relationship with the divine, with God. Jesus atoned for our sins so that we could have that reconciliation. So that through him we could be with God. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the one that satisfies the wrath of God. Do not be fooled by the world that will tell you that the wrath that you will see in hell is from Satan. It is not true. The wrath you will see in hell if you are apart from Jesus Christ is the wrath of God being poured out on you. It is a holy God, a just God, pouring that wrath out. It is not Satan. He doesn't have near that power. And so this says the propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ satisfies that wrath because he took it on himself. He atoned for it. That's what Christ did for us. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, don't read this and think that that means everyone's going to heaven. The death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the perfection of his life, when he died for our sins, is sufficient enough for the entire world. It was powerful enough to cover the sins of everybody in the entire world. It is efficient in the sense that he died for his people, for his church, for Christians. Sufficient for the whole world, efficient for the church. That's what Jesus did. He paid for us. So then how does that affect us? What is the benefit of understanding this? This seems 
very foundational, low level, right? But here's how it affects us. Imagine a timeline. This is a timeline of your life, right here. And, and in this timeline, at some point, you start understanding the knowledge of your own sin. To, to be able to build a foundation, you need to know the soil that you're in. So to be able to build the foundation of God and Jesus Christ, you have to know who you are. You have to know your sin. I know my sin. I, I know the things that I do wrong. I know the things that I've done wrong. And I know why I need Jesus Christ. Knowledge of sin comes. I've heard someone say, to get someone saved, to have them come to know Christ, you first have to get them to know they're lost. They need to understand their sin. So then you, so you get your knowledge of sin. At some point in your life, you start learning about who you are as a sinful man. Then you start learning about who God is. So now you're learning up. First you're learning down, now you're learning up. You're learning who God is, knowledge of God. Right? And in the midst of knowing your sin, and now in the midst of learning about who God is, you become a Christian. You come to know Christ. You, you make Him Lord of your life. You say, God, I'm going to follow your ways. I'm going to repent and turn from my sin and turn towards your ways. That's what being a Christian is. As this continues on, this doesn't just stop there. Like We need to continue to grow in our knowledge of God. We need to continue to grow in our knowledge of sin. As we read scriptures and we see the reality of what our sinfulness does, we're growing in the knowledge of our sin. As we continue to see how selfish we are. As we continue to see how we are only about our own good and our own pleasure in this world. This comes at different times in life. I've heard people say you learn about your selfishness when you get married. You learn about your selfishness when you have kids. Yes, every time you continue to learn about your selfishness and about your sinful desires. Because all of a sudden they're being encroached on by other people. Little people. Wanting things that go against what you want. So we continue to grow in this. And in the midst of continuing to grow in both of these, not just one, but in both of these, we end up here. The cross becomes huge in our life. All of a sudden, the cross of Christ is so huge and important that it sends us out to do things that we never would have thought of. What is it that sends people out to the mission field to Afghanistan? That sends people out to the mission field to the countries in Africa where they hate Christians. The cross is huge. It's gratefulness, thankfulness, a better understanding of substitutionary atonement, sending them out because of their understanding of what Jesus did on the cross and wanting to go out and share that same love with those out there that need that knowledge. So as you leave here today, as you spend time with family, we, we have such freedoms and so many things we can be thankful for. Be thankful for the cross. Because if it wasn't for the cross, that satisfaction, the satisfaction for the wrath that comes out because of our sin that we've earned, would be coming down on you without the cross, without Jesus Christ. So as you go home today, as you spend time with friends and family and you're eating, thank God for the cross, for what Jesus Christ has done. Because without Him, you'd be in hell. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, and I, and I thank You, Lord, for the students for this morning to be able to be a part of this group. I praise You, Lord, that You brought us together. I praise You, Lord, that 
that we are a faith family. Those of us that know Christ, that we are brothers and sisters because of your son. With one spirit. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in these students' lives, growing them closer to you, growing them in their knowledge of you, and growing them in their knowledge of their own sin, Lord, so that the cross is large in their life. Lord, I praise you for them. I pray that you would work in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect them as they, as they go away from here, and that you would bring them back safely. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Lige Reed from the Minden Evangelical Free Church. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus. Mm-hmm.